What's going on? Labor Day weekend is over. Connor, I know it was filled with football on both of our ends, but we've got a lot of OUA stuff to get to. How was your Labor Day? Uh, it was filled with a whole lot of couch time. A whole lot of couch time watching football. College football, OUA football, U Sports football, CFL football. Man, it was, uh, yeah, a lot of football going on this weekend. Uh, you know what? They, they say it's the last like unofficial weekend of summer. Uh, with Labor Day weekend, you know, it kind of seems like a waste because I'm all in on fall. I'm all in on fall. (laughs) Yeah. I'm Uh, not going anywhere. I am all the way in on fall, man. Like, yeah, sure. I'll lay on the couch, watch football all afternoon. Are you kidding me? The only team that may have been laying on the couch watching football, though, was Waterloo because they were on a bye week. But the rest of the teams were in some good games. Uh, we're going to start off with York taking on the McMaster Marauders, 39-1 to final for Mac. Uh, Andres Dueck threw for 338 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, the Mac receivers, Jackson Cooling, 100 yards. Jacob Patton, 78 yards. Uh, they just kind of put it in cruise control for this one. Defense played very well. They got kind of back to form with stopping the run like we know they can. I think this is just kind of the bounce back win that, you know, Mac needed to see Mac needed to have after that week one loss to Carlton. And I think, you know, this was a, a fine tuning game for the McMaster Marauders. This was let's correct all our mistakes from week one. Let's get right. Let's do all of the fundamentals correctly and play a good game all the way through. And they come out with a 39 to one win. Uh, it was, it was a solid win for the, for the Marauders all the way around. Like you were saying, um, one of our big things with York, I think that we were saying coming into week two was we wanted to see them break a hundred yards passing in the air. And they did that. They did that. They certainly did that, but, uh, they also threw three interceptions in the game, which makes it a lot harder to win games when you're losing the turnover battle, as we will see, um, coming up in a little bit here, but yeah, I mean, they did find some consistency on the ground. They rushed pretty well against Mac, but yeah, they just could not find that downfield passing success that they needed to to be able to you know run in this track meet with Mac. And uh, there are some great games across the conference. So let's move on to the nation's capital, where we had one of our two lightning delayed games uh, this weekend. It was a crazy night. I know you and I were talking, and we're kind of in between Toronto and Ottawa, but Laurier was getting lightning delay. Ottawa was getting lightning delay. And I'm like, are you getting weather at your house? Because I got I got nothing. Like, it looks clear. And you're like, no, apparently it's just moved completely around us and is hammering both sides. I was like, okay. So, Usually uh, how it goes. <laughs> luckily, it's how it goes. Uh, but we had Queens at Ottawa. Queens uh, kind of just did their thing. 26-16. Uh, they won the turnover battle in a really tight game, though. Ottawa struck with a huge deep ball. And JP did his thing, 15 carries, uh, 75 yards. Yeah, for me in this one, like like you're saying, it was the the turnover battle a little bit. I mean, you know, they uh, Ben Miracle threw two interceptions in the game, one in the first first half, which that's fine. Um, but he threw one in the second half, which kind of allowed Queens to pick up some momentum and kind of get back into the game. They were down 13 to six at the half. And then, you know, second half, second half interception, they were able to turn that into some points. And, you know, that's, that's the end of the story. When you have a veteran quarterback, I know, I know Ottawa has a veteran quarterback in their own right, but when you have a veteran quarterback like Queens does with James Keenan, and he's able to push the ball downfield to veteran guys like Richard Burton, uh, it, it makes it difficult to win those games, especially when Queens' defense is playing great in the second half, like they were. And I got to wonder like how much that lightning delay 
affected Ottawa's momentum because those delays never seem to affect the team that are down. They always seem to affect the team that hold that's holding on to the lead. Uh, no, I, I, I agree with that. And uh, whenever I was in my career at Toronto, we had a lightning delayed game against Windsor. And um, while we kind of sat around waiting and trying to keep our bodies right, stretching everything, uh, the Windsor team from what we heard after the game was all taking the time to use like full meetings on the first two drives of the game that our offense and defense had shown. So when they came out, they're like, yeah, this is exactly how we're going to attack this team. And we had to adjust on the fly because we were more concerned about, we haven't even been able to get on the field and we've warmed up four times. So how the hell are we keeping our bodies fed and ready to play in this game? So um, certainly teams that are down always kind of think like, oh my God, we need to make every adjustment possible. And I, I think that's just kind of what happened. I mean, great second half adjustments from from Queens. They came out, won the game 26-16 uh, in what was a really entertaining, really exciting game. Uh, a long game. I uh, feel terrible for those guys having to sit through that lightning delay. But, you know, let's get to the other lightning delay across across Ontario here. Let's move on. Western at Laurier. And, man, I mean, I don't think the score tells the story of this game because this game – was arguably one of the best games of the week. It really was. It was a 34-19 Western win, but Laurier was in this game the entire way. It was a 21-13 lead for Western at half. And let's remember, it's only week one for Laurier. They had that week one bye. Yes, we're week two, but it's Laurier's week one. Um, And they showed some really good things for it being their first week in the OUA. So I don't think anybody should be sleeping. But Wade, what does Western do in like, what happened in this game? Connor, take a guess at what happened in this game, man. Hmm. The two-headed backfield of the Western Mustangs? Let's see. Keon Edwards and Edward Winati both add 100 yards on the ground. For the second okay. week in a row. Second week in a row. For Keon, this seems like the 18th week in a row. Yeah. Okay. Ian Trey Humes did this pretty much Love. every week last year. Yeah, this is a story um, that we have been seeing. It's, it's nothing new. But I will say, it seemed to me like uh, it seemed to me like they were kind of limited in their big plays. I mean, Keon had a 54-yarder, but outside of that, Winandi didn't eclipse a 20-yard carry. So they they didn't get that huge breakout play where they're just crushing someone for a 60-yard touchdown and kind of breaking your soul at the same time. Uh, but with this game, like Evan Hillock played a big role. And this is what we've kind of been hoping to see is him. Yeah, you have the backfield where you can get 200 yards rushing just by turning around and saying, okay, guys, do your thing. Thanks. And the O-line pushes them D-line back five yards and you're not getting first contact until seven. Um, but Evan Hill can rip it. And we <laughs> were glad to see this. So he finished 15 of 20, 249 yards and four touchdowns. Um, he played a big role in this game. He's kind of the reason they pulled away uh early kept it and then the running backs kind of took over and finished it out but Savon Magne Jones three of those four touchdowns were to him he finished with 145 yards on five receptions had a game had a game for himself he saw what James Basiliga did last week and went hmm let me try to one up that let me try to one up that a little bit and he did he did. He matched the touchdowns, but he put 35 more yards up. So uh, it was a great showing from him. But on the other side of the sidelines here, the Laurier Golden Hawks, let's talk about Taylor O'Gersma because 
he had a great game in his own right. 258 yards, one passing touchdown. It was just a matter of, of pressure. I think Western's pressure was just too much to handle in this one. He was sacked five times. Makes it hard to get offensive momentum going, get rhythm going, push the ball downfield. When you have Western Mustangs in your backfield seemingly every single play. Nonetheless, great performance. I mean, he went went for 250, over 250 yards. Um, but yeah, I, I just think it was a little bit overwhelming with, with the Western front seven. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> uh, Coach Gleason's uh, Bible is surely in full effect early on this season. Western's defense has been creating havoc for offenses. Uh, we saw the picks last week. We see the sacks this week. Uh, I, I think El Grisma just had a really good first game of the season. That's that's what we're going to look at, and it's a lot to build off. I know Coach Falls probably wants to get the ball on the ground a bit more, um, but they put up 19 points against Western. They looked solid. It's their first game of the year. Uh, Western has this machine running. Like, they didn't stop playing after the Vanier Cup last year, so it's kind of hard uh, to judge teams that played them first off. No, I, I entirely agree. And that's why I said like right right off the top. I was like, let's let's not sleep on the Laurier Golden Hawks here. Yes, they lost 34-19, but they did so in a game that they were in against the reigning Vanier Cup champions. Not just the Yates Cup champions, the Vanier Cup champions. So um I think that in this one, obviously we knew Western was going to do their thing, but I think we commend Laurier for a very solid showing in week one. And uh Let's talk about my alma mater. We already got years in here, Connor. Game um, of the week? It, it, second half of the week. Second half of the week? I'll say that. Second half. <laughs> uh, hopefully you did stick around for the second half of the Carlton versus Toronto game on uh, Sunday, but it was one nothing at halftime, Connor. This was a slow-moving game early on. Uh, fumble in the red zone, couple turnover on downs. Uh, a lot of punts, but nonetheless, it finished 28 to 13 uh, in the favor of the Varsity Blues, uh, which is why I kind of have a navy blue sweater on today as we record. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask you about that. You're in a Varsity <laughs> Blues sweater today for the win or what? Uh, no, it's not Varsity Blues. We can't. It's OUA colored, Connor. Can't uh, show your biases. <laughs> Meanwhile, I have a GG's football over my left shoulder. But let's talk about Nigel Good. Uh, he was the difference maker to me. I know everyone's talking about Kinsale, Phillip, and the game that he had, 213, one touchdown, 66 rush yards, and another score on the ground. Uh, to me, the big thing with Kinsale, he cut down the interceptions. He didn't turn the ball over like he did last week. Mm -hmm. uh, it's huge. And in this game, like they pulled away the last couple drives from Carlton, but the no interceptions probably is what helped or saved their win because Carlton yeah. came out in the second half aggressive they were hitting the ball downfield Tanner young was done throwing short passes uh so they uh i think that was a big difference maker but nigel looked good yeah i mean he caught a six-yard slant broke two tackles and it ended in a 40-yard touchdown then he went deep through the b seam and took the top off the defense if the ball was thrown a bit better he would have had another 40 plus yard score uh <laughs> so he had two huge plays that set up the final scores for the Varsity Blues. Uh, Lucas Stoikos added a 50-yard rushing touchdown. Uh, Connor, I have one more thing to say about U of T, and then we can kind of talk about Carlton. I was so concerned about this defense. We, I've joked about it half 
joking half series that Queens was going to run for 250. They did. And then I said, well, Josh Ferguson's ran real well against McMaster. I expect him to go big as well. They held him to 79 yards. And on the flip side of that, the offensive line, Tyler Grijola, Mustaba Mary, uh, all the old dogs that are there, 350 yards on the ground between Adam Williams, Sam Conte, Lucas Doikos, and Kinsale. Uh, big shout out to the old dogs that are sitting on that O-line. They are what's keeping Kinsale clean in the pocket. They are what's keeping this run game going at the level, the best level it's been at since Lucas Gavick was there. Yeah, it was a, it was a ridiculously impressive showing start to finish from the varsity blues. I mean, defensively what they did in the first half, taking away, you know, the bread and butter of the Carlton offense, limiting the running or limiting the rush yards from Josh Ferguson. And then in the second half, just coming out and exploding offensively. And like you were saying about Nigel, good, I think he, we can't say enough about him because yeah, I mean, what Kintel Phillip did, did is impressive and what he's doing is impressive. But when you have a veteran guy like Nigel Good that knows the playbook in and out, that can line up across probably all five positions and Kinsale Phillip has that trust to put the ball in his hands twice for massive plays and he delivers twice for massive plays. Like, I just think that a receiver like that in an offense is so crucial because yeah, he's going to make plays for you, but he's also going to be able to, you know, be a coach out there to all the other four wide receivers. So, and like you're saying with the offensive line, I, I don't think I've ever seen Toronto rush for over 300 yards before. I have, that was impressive. I have, I have once. I once when I was there and once before I got there. So I guess twice. Um, but I mean, this is definitely a team effort. Like I, the time I saw it before it was Alex Malone setting the school record for rush yards in the game. And the time before that, it was seemingly Lucas Gavick just, running rough shot both times against York. Um, but this was against Carlton, who was ranked number 10 in the conf, uh, in the country. Uh, Adam Williams showed why he was an East-West bowler and why he is probably one of the top running backs in U sports for this year's CFL draft. I mean, he's a freak athlete. He can catch out of the backfield. He's not afraid to block in the pass game. Um, and he's a leader of this team. And that's, uh, that's crucial for him to show that as well. So I... Uh, I was really impressed with the run game by U of T and coach Joe DeMora has really emphasized <laughs> we are going to run the ball. We're not going to throw the ball 50 times anymore. This, uh, that offense is gone. This is a balanced team and teams are going to have to defend us as such. Yeah, certainly. They're looking all right. And one more thing before we move on, but defensively, the one thing that I thought was very impressive from, from Toronto's D was late in the game when Carlton needed it most, they were kind of sort of, putting a drive together and then Toronto just pressure, pressure, pressure. And eventually they forced Tan to throw a very uncharacteristic interception. He tried to fit a ball into a tight window resulted in the INT. Yeah. And I mean, uh, Jackson mayor, LaRouche, Akafu, they, they had a half sack each. I think, uh, Caden Manorath, they like, they had a great, group effort on the D line. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what we've heard people say whenever you have to replace such star players. But when you lose a guy like Malcolm Campbell, you need that group effort. And Jackson Mayer is certainly leading the punch on that D line. It just goes back. I know it's not Queens, but it just goes back to what coach Schneider said in his, his team preview. Right. So, but let's move on upset, not game of the week, upset of the week. My word. 
so for the first time in seven years, the Windsor Lancers have won a road game. And for the second time in two years, they have taken down the Guelph Griffins. Uh, Didn't have to road trap them this time. No. Guelph home trapped. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But Windsor, Joey Zorn, come on down. The price is right, and it is set at 198 yards. That's My what, sweet Lord George Harrison, this guy had a game. Uh, but let's let's focus on Windsor's offense as a whole here because when we talked to Coach J.P. Cercelli, it was defense and ground game. That's our identity. That's what we're going to build on. Uh, Connor, they ran the ball 37 times between their top two backs. That's not combining everyone else that got a couple carries. That is what we saw from Joey Zorn and Christopher John. Uh, Christopher John actually had a... Real nice touchdown as well. I was sending it to you uh, yeah. over the top of the pile. But uh, for this offense, I mean, passing yards are passing yards. Josh Shim had 5 of 7. Uh, Danny Skelton, 5 of 13. They both finished with 88 yards. Uh, but the run game is what made the difference. Uh, <laughs> I just, yeah, full credit to Coach J.P. Cercelli saying, hey, this is what we're going to do this season. The identity of our team is going to be our ground game and our defense. And that's how we're going to win games. And man, does it on the road against Guelph for the second time in two years. Uh, time of possession, 35 minutes for the Windsor Lancers. Uh, I, want to, I want to say, though, Guelph, their defense played quite well. I know they gave up over 200 yards on the ground, but their defense held them in this game. Uh, offense couldn't really keep it together they had 13 first downs uh and a couple like say probably a third of those were on the last drive trying to make a last ditch effort uh the Guelph defense held them in this they had a big interception return for a touchdown five uh four sacks two fumbles so it was uh or sorry but we we know that about Guelph right yeah, and that's that's kind of what Guelph does is they play really well at special teams they play really well on defense and then this year, the offense just has not found its rhythm. And I think one of the issues, while well, they s- try to sort out their quarterback situation because Jake Helfrich took the majority of the throws this week, uh, going 10 of 22. Sean Lall had the majority last week. We saw Tommy Yanchuk last week. We didn't see Tommy Yanchuk this week. Uh, the constant theme, though, rotating quarterbacks and nobody's getting the ball to Clark Barnes. Two receptions, 30 yards. I'm sorry, but you need to find the any way, anywhere, anyhow to get slants, swings, slants, bubbles, swings, screens. Literally, the Baylor route tree. Slants, <laughs> slants bubbles, screens, swings. Hit the ball because you can, you can throw him a five-yard hook. We saw this in the East-West Bowl. You throw Clark Barnes a five-yard hook, gone. Just, just shows the athleticism. Yeah, he's not one of these players where you need to feed him the ball downfield for a 78-yard touchdown. He's one of these players where you can give him a negative three-yard catch and he's going to turn it upfield for 78 yards. He's so good at making people miss. He's so good with the ball in his hands. Like, I, I think there's ways you can be creative and essentially just give him long handoffs and let him go to work. Yeah, I, I, I think for Guelph, uh, they really need to shape their identity on offense. They started to get more into the run game this week. 12 for 119 and two touchdowns for Isaiah Smith. But, I mean, he had a 67-yarder that accounted for over half of his yards. So, uh, I I will say they they had 
the splash plays, but um, they, they're they working to get this run game going. Uh, they're sifting through the quarterback situation. I think once they find that out, then they can start to really be a threat to teams. Certainly, certainly. And I think, you know, Guelph does have the pieces. They've got a lot of great pieces. They have a lot of potential. But like you're saying, it's just fitting those pieces together and figuring it out. And yeah, it's it's still pretty early in the OUA season, but there's only eight games. You can't really afford to figure it out for three games in the OUA. No, it's uh, it's too tight of a schedule to do that, but uh, there could be a way they backdoor the playoffs at this point. Um, but going 0-2 to start the year, uh, not the way any team wants to start. Uh, we got some good games next week, though, Connor, to tee it up. Uh, Queens at Western, rematch of last year's Yates Cup. Laurier at Toronto, that should be a good one. Two young star quarterbacks in Kinsale, Phillip, and Taylor Algersma. Uh, York at Carlton. Ottawa at Mac, the battle of the Garnet teams. And the Guelph Griffins, who we just spoke about, heading to the Waterloo Warriors, who have enjoyed their week two bye. It'd be kind of hard if, if Ottawa just walked into Mac and was like, hey, we're wearing all gray today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you want to check out any of these games or you want to check out the games we just talked about, OUA TV. It's perfect. You can get games live and on demand, any sport across the OUA for free. Make sure to head over and check it out. Uh, for Connor and I, that's it for this week. Stay tuned for our preview for week three of the OUA season at Wade Zank, at Connor R. O'Neill, at CF Perspective on social media. Take care, guys. Enjoy the week and enjoy the return to school for everyone that's still there.